This episode of Innovation Heroes is brought to you by the Samsung Galaxy Book. Visit shi.com slash Samsung Mobility to learn more. Welcome to SHI's Innovation Heroes, a podcast exploring the people and businesses making a difference in our constantly disrupted world. I'm your host, Ed McNamara. The first computers looked very different than they do today. They used to be these giant machines housed in huge rooms on university campuses, and only a small percentage of the population had access. Fast forward to today, and we have computers that are so tiny, they can fit in our pockets or on our wrists. But even with the innovations of the past several decades that have helped make personal computers smaller and smaller, supercomputers still exist. Advanced computing, also known as high-performance computing, can help researchers immensely in projects where a high degree of computational resources is needed. This is driving major advancements in research, data, AI, and other cutting-edge use cases. Rutgers University is home to just such a computing cluster. But as is usually the case, it takes more than just great hardware to make the most of this advanced tech. Because if there's one thing that the evolution of personal computers, and really the internet itself has taught us, it's that even greater things can come about when there's a focus on equity and teamwork. Because teamwork is how we can best leverage tech to the highest possible level. So the supercomputer, it's a tool, right? It, it helps people be able to uh, get work done. But in order for a tool to be useful, it's it's got to have the support and the people and the knowledge. And so absolutely, it, it, I would say the real heroes are the people. The pandemic has shown us that accessibility is going to have a very different meaning in the future when it comes to staying connected digitally. But there's a silver lining here. There's been an undeniable opportunity for expansion and advancement at nearly every level, including supercomputing. The majority of uh, people who interact with a with a supercomputer are doing it remotely. So it's either from their office, from their home. You could be halfway around the world. You still can access it no matter where it is. Some of the people at Rutgers who put the super in supercomputer work in the Office of Advanced Research Computing, or OARC. They help to provide university researchers with essential computing, networking, storage, and data handling capabilities. We're incredibly lucky that our guest today is Bar Von Osen, the Associate Vice President of the Office of Advanced Research Computing, joining us today from his office at Rutgers University in Piscataway, New Jersey. The projects that Bar and the OARC team get to help with are pretty out of this world, literally for some of them. They're paving the way for best practices by leveraging some of the most advanced computing capabilities, but they're also making sure that there's engaged teams at the helm, providing equitable access and fostering true collaboration, because sometimes it's the most basic things that could be the most important. Welcome, Bar. Thank you for joining us on Innovation Heroes. Thank you, Ed. I really look forward to the conversation. As do I. So I know you have a really big multifaceted job, so I'm not even going to try to explain it myself. I'm going to simply ask you, what's the elevator version of what you and the OARC do at Rutgers University? So honestly, I, I struggle with this all the time because uh, in, in my role at the university, I speak with 
you know, the chancellors, I speak with deans, I speak with researchers, and I speak with uh, network engineers, and everybody always asks me, so can you explain what you do? And so depending upon who I talk to, <laughs> I've got a different uh, explanation. But because I, I report both to IT and to research, uh, in, in a lot of ways, this office fits right between those two worlds. So we spend a lot of time building out infrastructure in the support of research. And our goal is to enable researchers to be more productive in getting their research done and to be more competitive in getting their grants. And so uh, in a nutshell, that's, that's what we do. How do people find you to even start having those conversations? So uh, when, I, when I first started at the university, I actively went out and knocked on people's doors. Now, Rutgers is a huge university, so we've got 70,000-plus students. We've got 25,000 faculty and staff. And we were a fairly small group when I first got here, um, you know, really just five people uh, for such a large university. But, um, you know, we all got out and we had conversations. And I didn't really want to build any... Uh, you know, technology solution for anybody until I really understood what the needs uh, would be. And uh, because, you know, there are a lot of people that have the mentality, I will build it and they will come. My feeling is I want to understand what their needs are. So I'm guaranteed that they will come because <laughs> it doesn't always work out that way. So um, because I work with uh, central IT and I work with the research office, um, we were able to tap into their listservs and, you know, send out email uh, to to people across the university. But um, a lot of it is word of mouth. You know, at, at first, when we started, we did just a few people. Um, but over time, it's, it's grown. And uh, now we're starting our sixth year. And um, it's, it's just amazing how many people come to us uh, asking for our help. We've got uh, well over 3,000 people uh, using our services now and attending our training sessions. We've got over you know, 300 different departments and, and centers and institutes uh, you know, sitting in and, and uh, going through all of our training. So word is getting out. And, um, uh, and, and because of that, we've been able to also uh, grow our team to help support um, uh, a much broader community than when we uh, first started in 2016. I do appreciate that there's a marketing aspect to what you do here. So uh, <laughs> as my mom <laughs> says, I also work in computers in a very different way than you do. So uh, once you find these people and they, and they come to you guys, what, what are you helping them do? So it depends upon their area of research, right? So, um, so for a majority of the people that we have conversations with, um, most of it is around data. Data is everywhere, and and the research community is interested in looking at that data. And uh, so it could be medical data, it could be marketing data, it could be uh, digitized collections within libraries, uh, genomics data. It, it's just, uh, and it's growing at such a phenomenal rate that um, people are really struggling on how to be able to manage all that data and how to be able to do the analytics and the statistical analysis on that data. And so we spend an awful lot of time having conversations uh, with uh, several groups across the university on strategies on how to, uh, to manage that data and how to be able to do the analytics on the data. Now, with that being said, 
artificial intelligence has just exploded over the last few years. And I mean, you just watch TV now, right? I mean, all of the ads, they all talk about AI this, AI that. And it's true in the, the research world too. So um, now they're not only interested in, in you know, figuring out how to manage all that data and how to do the statistical analysis, but now they're trying to train AI systems on all that data. And, and that gets really challenging on how to, to move the data around, how to access it. You know, it's, it's, just a, it's, it's just a very challenging uh, space to be in. And so we spend quite a bit of time working with people on, on how to go through that process and what are the tools that are available and um, help people be able to get access to the tools. And, and uh, you know, the team... The part of the Office of Advanced Research Computing, the research science and the technical team, they have skills that enable them to go and have those conversations and help sort of lead people through and make decisions on what are the best um, uh, workflows to come up with in order to get their research done. So when I think about all of the people who could benefit from having you know, supercomputing power to help them analyze data, there must be so many amazing projects that you get to be a part of, or at least help people you know, work through. Do you have one or two of the coolest or most surprising projects to have come your way recently? So as I as I mentioned, we work with everybody, and and you know every time I bump into a new researcher, they tell me what they're doing, and it's just so wakeful that I, I get excited about it. Um, we work with with everybody but you know just just a couple of examples one is um so libraries we just submitted a grant with libraries uh so their their collections uh, which typically used to be in books and and people would go in there are all digitized and they want to be able to make them much more accessible to the the general public and um and so we're working with them on creating sort of an ai interface uh, to access these uh, collections and allow people to go through and interact directly with them. And uh, it's actually fascinating just to, to have a conversation with them about uh, what they're trying to succeed in doing and then how do we train these AI systems and all that. It's just, it's just fascinating. And so uh, that was a lot of fun to, to work on. Another one, it was in dentistry. What I found out was that when they put an implant in the tooth, it actually creates a lot of stress on the jaw. And when you chew, it actually hits that implant and then spreads it out. And they did a full model of just an implant. It's, it's fascinating. It just, I, I, I love just having these kind of conversations with people because, you know, this is stuff that I just don't think about all the time. And then when I when I sit down with them, I go, you know, that makes complete sense. And, uh, you know, how can we help you with, uh, you know, trying to work through some of these problems? So it's uh, it's a lot of fun. So obviously this show is called Innovation Heroes and going in, I thought maybe the hero was was going to be, you know, the supercomputer or the supercomputing power that you have at your disposal. But we haven't even talked about that. <laughs> I'm really getting the impression that there's a lot of human muscle behind the scenes that keep the whole thing running. Like who's who are the real heroes here? So the supercomputer, you know, it, it, it's great and it helps. It's a tool, right? It, it helps people be able to uh, get work done. But in order for a tool to be useful, it's it's got to have the support and the people and the knowledge. And so absolutely, it, it, I would say the real heroes are the people who are working very closely with the research uh, team. So within OARC, the way we've got it set up is um, 
we've got the technical people, so the technical facing people, the people that build out all the infrastructure, support it, and and make sure that it's running 24-7, 365. And, you know, with research, you never know what you're going to be working on, right? Because it's cutting edge. And, and so the fact that this team is uh, able to, to work very closely with the research community and, and come up with solutions and build and support, it's just phenomenal. And then we've got the research facing team. So the research scientists, and they all have, um, you know, the, the educational background. Most of them have PhDs, but they've all done research themselves. So they really understand how to get research done, how to write papers, working with students, uh, but they also understand the technologies. And so they're the ones that sit down very closely with the research community and understand what they're trying to uh, uh, do in order to uh, compete, complete their, their research projects and then come up with the, um, uh, the design of workflows that, that work best for, for those research groups. And what we're finding now is that the research groups are looking at these people as an extension of their own research uh, groups. And they're being included on grants now. They're being included on in meetings. And so um, everybody is really looking at these team members as, uh, as being essential to uh, supporting research at the university. So I agree. I think they are definitely the real heroes in, in getting this done and supporting and coming up with novel ideas and, and solutions uh, to, uh, to support the research community. I mean, the worst thing you could do is say no to a researcher because they're going to find some other way to get it done. And a lot of times <laughs> the solution they come up with is not a very, um, uh, it's not the best solution and often offers uh, security holes. And, and so we don't want to do that. And so the team is really prepared to have conversations and say, look, you know, here's what we can do now. Let's think about future funding opportunities that could lead us to exactly where you want to be. And, and so far, we've been extremely successful in doing that. So, and, and the trust from the community, that, that's, that's the big thing, right? You know, when I first started in 2016, everybody looked at us and said, you know, you're not going to last. But <laughs> just because <laughs> they, they sort of know the history of Rutgers, but um, the team has gone out and they built trust in the community. And, and that's, that's incredible, right? When you, when you build that trust and now we've got people coming to us and, and um, asking for our support. And uh, so it's, it's, it's been a great ride so far. This episode of Innovation Heroes is brought to you by the Samsung Galaxy Book. Visit shi.com slash Samsung Mobility to learn more. We've all had to adapt to different ways of working, living, and playing, and we know more changes lie ahead. So in order to keep up, you need to be able to do more and do it better. The Samsung Galaxy Book is more than a laptop. Loaded with features that help you look, sound, and do your best, it offers true mobility so that you can work comfortably from home, the office, and everywhere in between. Plus, it's designed for a worry-free workday with the security, durability, and protection you need so you can keep your mind on your work without any distractions. 
built to be the brightest, lightest, and fastest, the Samsung Galaxy Book features 100% color volume and an incredible 1 million to 1 contrast ratio. And thanks to its lighter than ever slim chassis and 11th gen core processor, heavy lifting is made easy so that you can make quick work of work. Start doing more and doing it better today. Check out the Samsung Galaxy Book at shi.com slash Samsung Mobility. Frankly, I'm kind of struck by the diversity of the groundbreaking projects Bar encounters on a daily basis. But the OARC faces the same problems we're seeing across our industry. For instance, talent hiring and retention. I'm thinking there are IT managers out there who are envious of the team that you just talked about. It, it seems like you have a group of highly skilled IT professionals who can quickly identify the practical application from a research perspective of, of, of the computing power that they provide. So how do you identify and, and, and cultivate these pretty special human beings and get them into a team that supports that, you know, one, the community that you talked about, but then, you know, develops, you know, a, a trust with the community that they're supporting? So it, it, it's challenging, right? And, and there are groups at universities all across the country who are in the same situation. We, we find it very challenging to find people who are able to step right in and be able to take on these kind of roles. So it's not your traditional, uh, you know, uh, I, I know how to stand up a server. I know how to uh, set up a Cisco switch. I know how to, it, it, it's not that. They have to come in and they have to really have a deep understanding of, of lots of different types of technology. So that could be advanced networking. So, you know, how do you build out uh, the network capacity to be able to move all the data or get access to the data. Um, it includes data storage. It includes the supercomputing. It includes cloud services and also communication skills. I can't, we can't stress that enough. Being able to communicate and, and understand what a researcher is going through is is most of the most of the work that we do. It's just um, uh, having that ability to connect with a researcher, with the students, and really understand what they're trying to do and then come up with solutions. So when we when we put out job um, openings, when we when we announce them, we may only get about five people that uh, that apply to them because it's such a specialized area. And, and so this is something that uh, we as a community have been struggling with and trying to come up with solutions. Another one that we struggle with is diversity. Uh, so uh, typically, this community is not a very diverse community, and so we've tried to come up with better ways of, of figuring out how to be much more inclusive in uh, training people. And part of the problem is that um, our area of specialty is never really seen as as a career path for people. So when they go through, you know, high school or college, they don't think, "Gee, I'm I'm going to be supporting supercomputing or." building out next generation technologies or offering core services. And so we have to be better as a community to educate people on the fact that this is a, uh, a decent career path and um, an exciting career path. And so we've been having conversations with a lot of the, the community colleges within the state and with the four-year colleges and trying to come up with ways that we can sort of build pipelines, um, you know, sort of um, 
bridging the gap uh, between some of the the um, uh, areas that they're focusing on within the university system to the new technologies that we're trying to push out. And what we're finding is that industry is suffering from exactly the same thing. And so often we, we find people that have the personality, the skills, and, and we train them on our services. And then industry comes in and offers them a better job. But, you know, that, that gives us another connection into industry. But it's, you know, it, we're, we're trying to figure this out. And it's, it's, it's a challenge, but um, uh, just the conversations I've had recently with a lot of the different schools around, uh, around New Jersey, I'm, I'm pretty excited about creating some of these career paths for, for, um, uh, for students who might be interested in uh, taking on this role. In our post-pandemic you know, hybrid world, is, is, has there been a shift into the way we think about accessibility? And, and you know, basically, how, how does that play out for something as big as a, as a supercomputer? And how do you make sure that you know, people are getting the accessibility that they need to in order to, to do their research? So, so the nice thing about supercomputers is um, uh, they're always accessed remotely. So... Um, you don't have to be sitting in the room. In fact, you wouldn't want to sit in the room with it because uh, they're so loud. When when uh, people are running their their jobs on a supercomputer, the sound of the processors just humming along uh, is so loud that you actually have to wear earplugs in the data centers to be able to uh, <laughs> be anywhere close to them. And also to cool them, uh, the room is freezing, and so you have to wear a winter coat if you if you want to spend any time in there. And so the majority of uh, people who interact with a with a supercomputer are doing it remotely. So it's either from their office, from their home. You could be halfway around the world, you still can access it no matter where it is, and they don't really even care where it sits. But the interface to the supercomputer is what's changed. So originally. Uh, the way people interact with the supercomputer was that you bring up a, what's called a terminal. Uh, so, you know, believe it or not, our, our laptops and desktops still have that capability and you could still use them. But most people have uh, stepped away from that. And uh, so most of us have now switched to these virtual desktop environments that allow people to interact directly with the supercomputer. But again, you know, it doesn't matter where they sit. As long as they've got a decent network connection, they can fire this up. They've got all their applications as buttons on the desktop. And, you know, we try and give them the iPhone experience, right? They're, they've got a little icon on their desktop. They can click on it. It brings up the application they want and then be able to run the statistical analysis on it. So, uh, so that's never really changed. Uh, what did change because of COVID was, um, people who who tend to be in in wet labs or you know labs on campus uh, who run experiments, so where people actually have to be in the room, and and you know they've got the gloves on and the hoods and everything going, they they run these experiments. Um, all of a sudden, we're sent home to uh, work remotely, and um, as you know, there's you just can't run experience experiments remotely like that. And uh, so we had a surge of people who uh, switched from running these experiments in their labs to actually using modeling and simulation. So they would use, you know, these uh, uh, equations to help uh, define uh, the, the experiments that they were running and then be able to set up the simulations within our, um, our, our supercomputer and then run 
the the job and and get results, and they would be able to compare with you know past experiments to see how accurate they were. Um, but a, a lot of people who who run experiments just weren't familiar with our services. So we did spend an awful lot of time at the beginning of the pandemic to um, help people transition from desktop to you know experimentals. Uh, you know, experiments in the lab to being able to use a supercomputer. So that took an extraordinary amount of time. The team did a great job. And again, this goes back to your heroes, um, just stepping up to the plate and just being able to to work through all of this. And I mean, just the number of emails and, and phone calls coming through was just phenomenal. And they were able to keep up with it and and help people through through the situation. So it was, it was, it was uh, amazing. So absolutely um <laughs> they were the heroes. For some of the real techies in the audience, you it just occurred to me, you must have, you know, a, a, somebody who's using more resources far and away than anybody else had previously, you know, in terms of the computing power that they need. Off the top of your head, can you recall, you know, what that project might, might entail? Certainly astronomy. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're modeling galaxies. And, uh, you know, that just takes an incredible amount. Uh, and, you know, anybody who's doing um, physics uh, tends to, uh, to take up quite a bit of, of compute time. Uh, so, so astronomy, physics, th those are huge. Uh, anybody who's doing um, uh, weather modeling, right? I mean, weather is so complex and it's gotten even more complex with the, the change in, in uh, the climate and everything's so unpredictable and the number of variables that have to be fed into these projects are just massive. And so, um, and so for people that really need that kind of computing, uh, we actually help them get onto national uh, supercomputers that are, you know, uh, a magnitude or more uh, faster and more powerful than anything that we can provide here at Rutgers. So if, if you look at the types of jobs that we run at Rutgers, it's, it's sort of the small, the medium size, but those really, really large ones, um, we, we know um, the research labs across the country really well. We, uh, we have partnerships with them. And so when somebody uh, you know, we work with need something that's much more powerful, then we'll help them put in an application to get access to those national resources. And so it's actually, um, it's really a nice setup because, you know, we're helping people transition from the desktop into our supercomputer on campus. And then people's, you know, needs grow, the data grows, and all of a sudden, you know, they've learned everything they could possibly do on our system. And then we help them transition to the larger system. Bart, there's so many different aspects of, of what you and your team are doing. My last question to you, what makes you excited to go to work every morning? It's just working with um, so many different research groups and knowing that we're helping and making a difference in the way people are getting their research done and um, and and how productive and and hopefully they're, they're becoming more competitive with uh, getting grants because of some of the services that that um, we offer, um, you never know what's what's going to happen day to day, right? I I could come in the morning and I have my plans laid out for everything that I'm going to do, and I get one email and it changes everything. Uh, some people describe our office as um, as as a startup company, right? So we've we've got the makings of a small company 
with all the technologies and all of the expertise on all levels, right? We've got a business office, we've got, you know, research scientists, we've got, uh, you know, research IT people, we've got, you know, uh, uh, system administrators that, you know, all work together to support the university. Um, but, you know, that being said, our office is often described as, uh, you know, we're building the plane that we're flying at the same time. So it's it's a bit crazy, <laughs> and 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 finding the right people that can then work in in a crazy kind of environment like that is always a challenge. So that adds to that, you know, how do you find the right people? But um, it's exciting. R. Von Osen, Associate Vice President of the Office of Advanced Research Computing at Rutgers University. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. I would go as far as to say it's not just a supercomputer that they have at Rutgers. There's a real community that's being built. And I think there's a lot to be learned here. Barr and his team are giving business leaders an example of how to efficiently manage these kinds of high-powered resources with teamwork and innovation. And even in the shortages of our post-pandemic world, at least these things are never in short supply. Thanks for listening to this episode of Innovation Heroes. Next time on the podcast, I'll be speaking with Alexa Pavluk, a doctoral researcher at the Oxford Internet Institute. She uses data visualization to analyze communication networks. In other words, she helps paint a bigger picture of the interactions in our digital communities. She's using her research to find ways to make the online world a safer, more welcoming place. We're taking a break for the holidays, but we'll be back in the new year. So tune in again in 2022. You won't want to miss it. If you enjoyed this episode, then consider being our hero. Smash that like and subscribe button to Innovation Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. Innovation Heroes is a Pilgrim content production in collaboration with SHI. Our producers are Tobin Dalrymple and Jessica Schmidt, with production assistance from Carmi Levy, Jane Norman, Ronnie Lattimore, and Amanda Sheffer-Cavanaugh. I'm your host, Ed McNamara, and I'll be back with more amazing stories in 2022. See you next year. This episode of Innovation Heroes has been brought to you by the Samsung Galaxy Book. It's not a laptop. It's a Samsung Galaxy Book. Visit shi.com slash Samsung Mobility.